0: Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. If you've got problems that seem insurmountable, that is a reason to pray. If you're unsure about stepping into areas of faith and dreams and vision, that is a reason to pray. If you have a community that is largely unchurched and not really open to receiving the Gospel, that is a reason to pray. Paul in his letter to the Romans reminds us it's not about what we say or how we say it. It's not about our articulation or how good we are in the way we can present a prayer. He said it's about the unity of the church. Romans 15, 5 to 6 says this Now may the God who gives endurance and who supplies encouragement grant that you may be of the same mind with one accord, one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify and praise and honor the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over the next three days, starting tomorrow morning or however that works for you as a church, we're going to be committing to praying and fasting. We are going to open the doors here at 7.15 each morning and again at 5.15 at night time. And I'm going to encourage you to join us in prayer. Prayer meetings are interesting because a lot of people will sort of go, well, that's the one I'll miss that's okay, I'll pray at home. And that's good. I love praying at home. But there's something about that comes, as Paul said in his book here, when there is a unity of prayer together. And it may be that you come along and go, well, I don't want to pray because I'm not articulate. I don't want people to hear my prayer because it kind of sounds really bad. Or, or maybe you come along and, and you go, well, the only people who are going to pray is kind of you know those really spiritual, religious type people. Your pure presence in being here is what the unity of the body talks about. So I encourage you somewhere along those lines, 7.15 in the morning or 5.15 at night, change something up. Your routine may say, well, both of those six times don't fit my routine. Well, you know, there's an inconvenience that came when Christ died on the cross for us. And there is an inconvenience that comes when we need to step into what's doing. You know, when we step into, into what God has for us, church, as we step into two services, we've been told that we will grow 20 to 30%. And people can go, well, that's fantastic. That frightens me. But we've got to step into it. And the reason we do this is because we want to remove every single hurdle there is between our community and Jesus Christ. And so if that means we're going to put five services on a Sunday, then we'll put five services on a Sunday. I started taking vocal coaching lessons this week. There is no singer in this vocal, I can tell you that. As I stood in the office of this lovely lady, I felt like a three-year-old. As she started getting me to do all of the... I'm not even going to do it because I'm too embarrassed... No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Boo. Bye. Bah. Smile, she says. Boo. But anyway, I'm completely off track here. The point is... There is an inconvenience we're doing. The reason I'm doing that is because I want to protect my voice. And if God says we go to five services on a Sunday, then I'll preach five services on a Sunday. Because there's an inconvenience what we're doing. There's an inconvenience in in spreading the gospel message, but the reward is so good. And so we want to remove every hurdle we can. So I encourage you to, uh, over the next three days, we are going to be praying and fasting. If you haven't fasted before, um, go to c3h.life. We have some information on there on, on how to fast. Some people, they fast from food others they, uh, they fast from social media or all sorts of things or you can do a, a partial fast it's not about what we do it's not the religious content of what we do it's it's the action of how we do it Jensen Franklin talks about fasting he actually wrote a 116 page book on fasting and and, and what it is it's about making sure that we can direct our focus not on the food or the things that we're giving up but we turn straight away onto Jesus Christ For the next few moments, I want to share a devotional that was most beautifully read to us and played by Zach and Alex. Thank you, guys. That was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. It's a devotional on Psalm chapter 8. I'm going to ask for a little grace because uh, this Psalm's a little raw and a little real. And as you would have heard that, and it's, um, it's messed me up a little bit. As I've been going through this, C3 Fulham pastor and author Simon McIntyre says this: "This remarkable writing of David captures the conundrum of our very existence in perfectly balanced but entirely contradictory terms. In the God's majesty framed by and displayed in the heavens and the earth would possibly suggest that we as mere humans are insignificant in comparison. Yet, it is to the very contrary. It's been shared over the last few weeks, this time of the year, this January time of the year, is one where we can be both aspirational in in what we're dreaming and believing, in our resolutions of what we want to achieve, and also very reflective of where we've been. And it's often in the very same thought of, of we start going, well, well. I want to I get fit or I want to start making sure that I'm doing these things or I'm going to invite people over once a week and, and have dinner with them and socialise with them. And then it, right in the very same instance, what happens in our mind is we do this because we think to ourselves, the reason we want to do that is because we're not doing it. We become aspirational and reflective in the very same thoughts. And we try and balance the fear of, of the un, or the the fear of the unknown versus maybe the complacency of the known. As we shared over the last, um, sorry, in this psalm, David kind of throws it all together in one piece of writing. And and I had Zach play with this because biblical scholars will say that it was that it was David uh, writing this uh, 2 stringed instrument behind him. And they also believe that this psalm, although it was Psalm 8, chronologically was probably written at the very end of his life. Which makes sense. Because it's a psalm that is truly reflective of a life that was lived. As I read this psalm, I see David actually nearly returning to the fields. I don't know how old he was. But I see him returning to the fields where maybe as a 14 or 15 year old boy, he was, he was there throwing stones at David you know whiling the night away as he was a shepherd boy maybe he wrote this at dusk as he looked up and he saw the stars and he saw he saw everything above him he saw the heavens and the majesty And as he did this, as an older man, maybe laying there, maybe he got out the picnic basket and he's laying there and he's he's reflecting on what was and the majesty, maybe he also reflected on the major mistakes he made throughout his life. You see, David made mistakes. We read through the Scriptures and, and David was not flawless. If you read through the Scriptures, there was one perfect person. And he ended up on the cross. Author Charles Bowiski says this, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? I've titled this devotional, and it is going to be a bit of a devotional, The Balance of Significance. And it's kind of a prelude to a, to a series that we're going to uh, embark on called Balance. We're going to start this series over the next couple of weeks. What are you fighting for? And uh, as I said a little bit earlier on, I just pray for a little bit of grace. I I want to ask that you as a church pray for us as communicators, as leaders in this, as we push into an area that I believe will help set us up for not just this year, but for this decade moving ahead. In 1994 NFL superstar Deion Sanders helped the San Francisco 49ers break the drought and win the coveted Super Bowl which is the American football. Sanders was everywhere in the game. He was huge. Everybody wanted a piece of this superstar. Sanders was with, was at the top of his chosen career. He was achieving a boyhood dream of not just playing NFL football but playing in the Super Bowl but not just playing in the Super Bowl but winning the MVP. This was the dream that he had, he had every practice meant for him. Every interview afterwards asked him the question of, of how his life now felt. Do you feel complete that you have accomplished this? They said to him in some of the interviews directly afterwards in the change rooms, you know, Sanders, you now have the power to do anything you want. You're the king of San Francisco. In fact, it was reported that less than 24 hours later, Sanders walked into a prestige car dealer and wrote a check for over a quarter of a million dollars and gave a tip of over $100,000 and drove out with the latest Lamborghini. Yet in an an interview conducted just seven days later, Sanders said, Despite achieving everything I have ever dreamed of, despite people telling me I was the king, I sit on this couch opposite you and I feel completely empty inside. Although we may never win a sporting premiership, Sanders' interview is often played out in our very lives where we almost feel like we we succeed but but fail in the very same task. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You kind of feel like you're kicking goals in your relationship with your children and then in the very same breath they do something dumb. Yes, kids do dumb things. And so you feel like you've taken this giant step forward in your relationship and in your parenting. And it's kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm replacing Andrew and Sarah as our parenting coordinators and you know, doing our alpha parenting because I am the parenting king, right? <laughs> and then you, you look across at your spouse and go, man, I suck at this. David starts his writing in Psalm 8 and he says, he gives honour where it's due, he declares, God, brilliant Lord, yours is the name above all names. I've shared before many, many times uh, that, that this revelation I got at, the, at midway through last year also came out of the Psalms where we need to enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Before we, I, I, a couple of months ago, it's on YouTube, if you want to look at it, I did a, I did a, a methodology on prayer. And it's about entering it before we do anything, before we come to him with our shopping list, before we come to him praying for other people, which is a good thing. We need to adore our God. We need to say thank you to our God. And David starts his writing by giving honor. He says, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Then he starts talking about babies. Verse 2, You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. It's not because David was paternal, but I believe that he understood Something about the innocence of children and their enthusiasm of faith. I want you to think of a seesaw. Can we can we whack that balance slide back up, Curtis? I want you to think of a seesaw. They're banned in most council playgrounds nowadays, aren't they? You see, kids love a seesaw. Because you put one on each end and up they go, up and down they go, up and down they go. There's not a care in the world. Children jump on it and they want to do it because they rise with the heights and they go down. It's all part of the journey of playing of what they do, up and down, up and down. They don't care. You see, what we do as adults, we've become a little bit more cautious in the way we think. And there's times which is in, in change with this. There's a bit of a play on words, the way you've done the, we've done the image here. By the way, Cam Ship, you do an amazing job with our social media. Thank you so much. <clears throat> but you see, there's a, what we do as adults is, is that we go to the point where, where when we're at the bottom, because maybe we're a little bit more weighty, when we're at the bottom, all we're doing is thinking to ourselves, how do we get to the top? And I'm not talking about a seesaw here, I'm talking about life. When we're at the bottom as adults, all we do is we think to ourselves, how do we get to the top? Yet here's the funny conundrum to this. When we're at the top, all we do is we think to ourselves, I hope I don't fall. When we've finally achieved what we want to do, we think to ourselves, man, I hope that that dude there doesn't get off because I'm going to fall and I'm going to crash hard. In Matthew 18, we read of a time where the disciples who had maybe got a little bit cocky. The ministry of Jesus was coming a little bit to the end. And they asked Jesus the question, they say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I love Jesus' response, because he takes it back to the children. And he says to the disciples, put aside your pride, guys. Put aside your status. Remember, I called you. You were just fishing in the river there. You were a notorious sinner collecting taxes over here. I called you. So put away your pride, put away your own status and, and what you think and what you know and return to your humble roots as a child. Sometimes, church, what we need to do is we need to think like a child in our faith with God. Is that we need to have the innocence of going, I am going to step forward. I'm going to jump on that seesaw. And you know what? Maybe I might go up and maybe I might go down. And maybe I might fall. But you know what? I'm okay because God's got me. Then David starts on an area that has the potential to challenge us all. The comparison of who we are or what I've called the balance of of significance Verse 3, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. This very stanza captures the conundrum of our existence in a perfectly balanced but entirely contradictory terms. There was a lot of words there, wasn't there? You see, God's majesty on show in the heavens and the earth would suggest that we are completely insignificant. Many of you have gone away camping over the last couple of weeks, good for you. The only time I go camping is when there's five stars. But I'm sure many of you took time to, to come out of your tents, look up, see the stars, see the beauty, see the majesty, see Cradle Mountain, see, see the magnificent state that we have and declare God's majesty. As you rode down those mountain bike tracks, as you trailed and walked up through mountains, as you, as you walked along the beach in this summer time, Tassie is a magnificent time of year as you jumped on a motorbike and went for a ride, as as whatever it might be. you, You could see God's majesty on show wherever you look. And it could suggest that we, as a mere human, because we think about what we've done, are completely insignificant. And that we could spend so long at the bottom of the seesaw wondering, do we have any value at all? Verse 5 says this, Yet, in your wisdom and by your design, you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. That verse there is the pure majesty of God. In that being made a little lower than God, being crowned with glory and honour, made for dominion. We are significant. We are more than we could ever imagine. I prayed uh, long and hard about how to address this. I'll get you up, Andy, if I can. Because I believe one of the most significant challenges that we have going forward is to speak life into a society that is almost hell-bent on comparing our good bits. You see, I've been doing a little bit of reading on this new career that started out there called Influencers. making millions and millions out of showing their good bits on social media and so forth. Good luck to them. They found something there and they're making money. Yet the problem is, is that what we're doing is as a society, we've we've failed to address our broken bits. And as a result, the chatterbox in our mind can be deafening. The world we see, the world you saw when you, you laid on your hammock or when you were in your, under your tent or wherever it was, exists as an, as an articulation of God's glory. No matter how talented we think we are, no matter how many engineers we've got in this church, God didn't need us to create the universe. And to be honest, the, God, the world will keep spinning. And God didn't need our approval. You know, the vast majority of things that happen in the world is not dependent on what we do. But see, this is what I love about the Scriptures. This is what I love about God's majesty. Is if you read the Scriptures, we will actually read in there that according to them, we were created Last. God created the heavens and the earth and the lights and and the the day and the night and the fish of the sea and the, the, the birds that fly up there and all of those sort of things. And then he created man and woman. I believe that this for one reason is it because God didn't need us getting in the way to create his majesty? God didn't need us. But what He wanted to do, this is the beauty of it, church, is that what He wanted to do, I think God wanted to say, hey, take a look around at what I've given to you. It was complete. God created everything. Then He created us and then said, have a look what I've given to you. This is my blessing to you. Why? Because you are my masterpiece. This very psalm talks about the fact that God created the significance of the heavens and the earth, but then what He did is He created us and we are only just a little bit lower than Him. He gave us dominion over the fish and the birds and the the trees and whatever it might be. That's, That's scriptural. I reckon God got a kick out of displaying his his majestic brilliance to his earthly creation. Verse 7: the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, thanks, Steve. The birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and, and everything that swims, the ocean currents. This is the di- dichotomy of balance right here. Because as it relates to the vastness and the wonder of creation, we are insignificant. Yet being made in the very image of the creator, we are nothing short of truly significant. We are one of maybe, I don't know what it is, seven or eight billion people in the world. And we can struggle sitting at the bottom of the seesaw, looking up saying, God, my life is so insignificant. Or we can be at the top of the seesaw and we can be thinking to ourselves, man, I got here, but man, I really hope I don't fall. Do you know, I think more than anything, anything at all, that the devil hates when we find the balance of significance. And the reason I say that is because the spiritual battle in which we fight, and we do fight a spiritual battle, people, The devil loves nothing more than to tell you you are insignificant. The devil loves nothing more than to mess with your head and tell you that when you're at the top, don't worry, all you can do is go down the devil loves nothing more than when the minute you're sick is to tell you that your life's over and everything's bad. That when the minute you have an argument with your wife, that that your whole marriage is over. The minute that, that your kids storm off to their room to be 16 year olds, they're just being 16 year olds. But see, the reason I believe is, is this is because I believe that the devil hates nothing more than when we understand the balance of significance is because he will work night and day to tell us we are insignificant. Yet this scripture tells us that we are Significant. This scripture tells us that we are worthy. This scripture tells us that we were created to enjoy, to look out and to love His majesty. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says this. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit from this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us a long time ago. See, when God planned for us there, there was sin that entered into the world. This is a simple salvation message is that God created us as His masterpiece. Sin entered the world and we were broken, yet He sent His Son to die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, He took our brokenness from Him. He took our sin from us and it's up to us to receive him in order that we can find that balance of significance because I will tell you now if you can't receive Jesus into your life you will live a life and you might be as high as you can get in the industry you might be doing everything you might make as much money as you can do or you might be as low as low can do if you do not accept Jesus into your life there is no balance of significance in your life it's as simple as that We can spend a lifetime trying to perform for Jesus or we can spend a lifetime in awe of our God. We don't have to impress God because let me tell you that God called your name and he set you apart. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your faults. He knows that 2019 was a broken year for some. He knows the pain that you've suffered and are maybe still suffering. Yet, still, God says, You are significant to me. He says, I will wipe that clean. I will put it aside. He said, but you just need to come to me. I'm going to ask you, just where you are, just bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you've been in a situation in your life where the balance of your life is completely out of whack. That you may have accepted Christ into your life somewhere down the path. It might have been a decade ago. It might have been a long time ago. But, but the, 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 the devil's had a field day playing with your mind. And yet today you want to say, God, I want to get it right with you. I want to get it right with you. I want to get back on track with you. I want to enjoy that that balance of life, the seesaw going up and down. If that's you, just where you are with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just like you to raise your hand. It's just a sign to say, thank you, I can see that hand. I can see those hands there. Thank you, I can see those. Is there any others? Thank you, I can see that hand over there. Thank you, I can see that hand there you may have been walking a Christian life thank you I can see that hand you may have been coming to church but there's something is not working there's something where you need to go God I need to take a stand and I need to do this can I ask you to raise them nice and high guys nice and high awesome I can see those hands there fantastic raise them up raise them up if there's anyone else thank you I can see those hands there is there anybody else where God is touching you this morning. It's not the words I say. I'm just purely standing here in obedience to God. It's not the words I say. God has spoken to you that you need to say, God, I need to get this balance right. Just raise your hands where you are. Just keep them up for one second. Jesus, you are our way maker. You are our miracle maker. Lord God, thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for those who are responded today. We thank you for the words that you have shared today, Lord God. This was your message to share for this season, for this decade moving forward. Lord God, I pray for a congregation. I pray for a wider community, Lord God, that starts understanding the significance of who we are in you. Lord God, the balance of who we are in you. Lord God, I pray for our neighbors. I pray for those who are around us in our workplaces that, that, that we can see that on their life, they just haven't got the balance right. Lord God, give us the words to say. Give us the opportunities to speak into their life. Give us, give us the courage to be able to step forward. Give us the faith like children to be able to speak life into them. Lord God, we give you the honor. You are the miracle maker. Lord, I believe that there has been miracles here this morning that there has been some brokenness that has gone, that there has been people, Lord God, that have been fighting things, have been fighting the chatterbox for so long, and you have just, there is a miracle happening, Lord God, right now. We thank you for that. We declare that. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.